0: Holy Spirit, we know that you're already here, but we're just going to, again, just invite your your teaching, your preaching, gift, your presence. We open our hearts to you. We thank you for the manifestation of your goodness that's already been experienced here this morning. And I thank you, Father, that every single one of us are going to leave this facility encouraged, full of more courage than when we came in this morning. I thank you that condemnation is broken, <clears throat> and encouragement is flowing and infilling the hearts of your sons and daughters. So Holy Spirit, teach like only you can teach, encourage and inspire, and we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So one thing I felt real strongly this morning as we were praying before church is I just felt encouragement, that the Lord was was wanting to and was going to encourage his people, and that would be y'all, in case you weren't clear on that. And I believe, obviously, that's already been happening, and it's so good to be encouraged by the Lord. <clears throat> the name of the sermon today is called, Tis the Season to be Fruitful. God I thought I was going to sing a song, didn't you? Tis the Season to be Fruitful. You know, there's, if, in case you haven't noticed, there's been a lot of transition going on. Lots of transition. People changing from one season to another. And that's what transition is, going from one place to another, one season to another. You know, whether it's people getting new jobs or someone getting fired or let go from a job, someone moving to a new location, you know, physically, moving, Whether maybe you're new here to Stillwater. Or maybe you got promoted to a better job. You know, my son in, in about a month is about to get married, so he'll be transitioning into from single life to married life. Some of you are transitioning to becoming a mom or dad, and some of you are transitioning to becoming grandparents for the first time, like Shannon and Todd Tovar. <clears throat> some of you may be moving out of a ministry that you've been involved in for a, quite a while, and maybe moving into a new ministry some of you as adults are going back to school decide you know what there's time in my life I can do this now and I haven't been to school in 20 plus years and I'm going back to school so some of you are doing that some of you are maybe starting a brand new career or some of you may be starting your own business that God's been putting on your heart for a long time and you decide you know what it's time to launch and some of you may be students Still living at home with your parents, but you're starting a brand new school year. But whatever the case is, there is so much transition going. There's a lot of transition. People I talk to, the people I rub shoulders with, I hear all these changes going on. And some of these circumstances, for example, some of you may be in a season where uh, maybe you're dealing, maybe you are dealing with a, a serious health issue. Or you find yourself taking care of someone who's dealing with a serious health issue, whether it's a parent or a spouse. But you find yourself in this particular season. Some of it may be because you have desire for the season to change, whether you change jobs or locations. But some of us find us, ourselves in places that we necessarily don't desire to be in. They may be difficult. Whatever season you find yourself in, the desire and the will of the Lord is for you to be fruitful. Even more fruitful than you've been in the past. His desire is for you to continue to be fruitful regardless of the season you find yourself in. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to, you know, it is not his intention for us to just survive or just to, well, I'm making a living or just getting by, but his desire is for us to be fruitful, to be successful. And because we delight in him, because he is our number one priority, then it's our desire to bring joy to him and glory to him by being fruitful. But what does fruitfulness look like that I'm talking about? Fruitfulness looks like answered prayer on your behalf. Fruitfulness looks like bringing the kingdom to a person or people through answered prayer. You know, just like the example, the testimony we heard from D.D. And, and Kylie. They brought the kingdom to a young lady through their prayers. This lady experienced his kingdom through their prayers. They brought the kingdom to this young lady. Fruitfulness looks like loving a person sacrificially or loving people sacrificially. Fruitfulness looks like people's people's lives being impacted or influenced through your life. And fruitfulness looks like the character of Jesus being developed in your life. So fruitfulness has different, um, looks different, but he wants us to be fruitful. And I believe that we're going to understand and learn today that fruitfulness even looks different than what we've even thought. And so his desire is for you to be fruitful in whatever season you find yourself in. I'm going to read out of John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And what we're going to be talking about these next couple of weeks is how do we become more fruitful in our current season in life? How? It's one thing for me to say he wants us to be more fruitful... Then the question is, well, how does that happen? Because it's one thing to talk theoretically and say, yeah, we want to, I'm going to be more fruitful. But it's more important to understand a practical way to apply and actually walk in more fruitfulness. And that's what we're going to be talking about these next couple of weeks. So John chapter 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So check that out. Every branch that is bearing fruit already, he wants to prune so it will bear more fruit. You are already, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. You will ask what you desire, not what Jesus desires, what you desire. And it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit so you, and prove to be my disciples. In one translation it says, and prove to be my disciples. As the Father loved me, verse 9, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And right there in some translations it says, or overflow." That our joy would overflow. That's his desire. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you, and that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask, in the fa- ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So today I want to talk about some key factors surrounding fruitfulness. Number one, we must abide in him and allow his word to abide or have its way in us I think the key verse and the key factor that that's gonna require or that's gonna allow us to be fruitful like he's talking about is that we must abide in Jesus and allow his word to abide in us I think as Christians when we think of abiding I used to think this way that it meant having a prayer time It meant you know okay I'm gonna get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 630 or 7 and I'm gonna have my quiet time with the Lord I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to pray, have some worship, and then I'm going to go to work. And which those things are very good, but I don't think that's what the word abide means. Han, would you come in for a second? Yes. yes. Let's pretend that. Um, and does anybody have a Bible, a real one? All I have is an electronic. Here's one. Wow, that's what they look like. Whoa. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Okay, let's pretend that I'm Jesus and Hannah's a man of God. He's a Christian. The word abide, it means to tarry, it means to linger, to stay with. And when I believe what Jesus is talking about abiding in Him is, let's walk with me. Throughout His life, throughout His daily life, throughout His, when He's going to work, when He's doing stuff with His family, Jesus is with Him. He's walking with Jesus. Everywhere He goes, everything He does, He's walking with Jesus or the Holy Spirit. He's not having his quiet time hanging out with Jesus and then leaving me and then going and doing his work. But he's abiding. He's hanging out with him every day. And the word, he's allowing the word to have its way to abide in him. Okay? And and so, we're walking in the same direction. We're doing, we're hanging out together. This is more what it looks like to abide in Jesus. You want to get a picture of us or something? Oh, I'm just all right. Thanks. You can sit down for, for a second. All right. So it's important that we understand and we change our, our thought process of abiding, just meaning moments in the day with Jesus. But it's all day, 24-7, walking with Him. Everything we're doing, we're including Him in our decisions, in our thought processes, and, and what we're about to do, our choices. You know, for example, if, as you're a businessman and you're about to make a business decision, you're talking to him about that. You don't just pray to him before work and say, Father, I ask you to help me to, and lead me in my decisions today. That's good, and that's okay. But what he wants is, when you're at work, you're still talking and communicating with him, to him, about those choices. You don't say, oh, man, well, I can't wait till I get back home and get my prayer closet so I can talk to the Lord about this again. Are you getting the picture, getting the point? So, and I think a lot of we, because I've done that for many, many years, is I had my time with him, and then I went about my day doing the best I could, but it's like I left him back home in the closet. And he's saying, no, let's hang out all day, all day. So that's, that's one picture he wants us to get and one concept he wants us to embrace. Number two, so that's the first factor, that we must abide in him and allow his word to abide in us, which means having its way in us. Number two, he invites us to ask what we desire and what we, he invites us to ask what we desire and it shall be done. He's inviting us to ask what we desire and it shall be done for us. In verse 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, in other words, we're walking and hanging out together, then you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done. Now, I think a lot of times we as Christians, we, we, we want to we wanna spiritualize that verse to the point to where we say, well, that really can't mean my desires. And we, we water it down or we, we, we do something to it, but we think it cannot mean... That he really wants to give me the desires of my heart. That, that can't mean that. And I believe it does. I believe that he's asking. He wants us to ask for things that are in our heart. Now here's how I think that works. Let's walk again, Mr. Hahn. When I'm, when I'm walking with him, what happens is, and I'm allowing his word to have its way in me. See, his heart, his desire, his passion's oh wait a minute i'm jesus right? right okay let me fix this all right so as we're walking together <laughs> then my heart my passions the things that are in my kingdom begin to flow into him mm-hmm. and he begins to have the desires that i have mm-hmm. however i've created him now remember we're pretending right I've created him a certain way. I've created him with certain gifts, with certain bent, with certain desires and things. And so I'm going to want my kingdom to flow through him in a particular way that encourages, excites, and blesses him. And it's going to look different through Chuck. You can have a seat. It's going to look different through him than it is through Robert or Annette or Marianne. So Jesus is inviting Han to ask for things that are in his heart spiritual things or not spiritual things see because we think okay i can ask you jesus for things but obviously it has to be spiritual obviously that only makes sense obviously i don't believe that's the case now obviously it includes spiritual things but it also includes non-spiritual things which i think actually are spiritual things from his perspective But from our perspective, they may not be. Let me give you an example. Many years ago, I'm not going to give you the full story, but the quick version because the whole story would take two hours. But years ago, when I was in my office and I was praying, I was being a good Christian, I was praying, I was having my quiet time with Jesus, we were hanging out. And all of a sudden, he said, Well, a voice said, Ask me for a cruise. I want to give you a cruise. Now I'm praying, I'm being a good youth pastor. I'm praying for the youth, I'm praying for the world to get saved, I'm praying for all that stuff, and all of a sudden I get interrupted by this program. My program's interrupted, and it says, Ask me for a cruise. I want to give you a cruise. I'm like, I rebuke that thought. I rebuke those carnal thoughts in Jesus' name. And, and I did. I rebuke those thoughts. Continue to pray. Two weeks later, I'm praying again in the same place. And all of a sudden, that thought comes again. And it says, ask me for a cruise. I want to bless you with a cruise. And again, I rebuke those thoughts because I'm trying to be spiritual. And all of a sudden, these carnal thoughts, and and it's pretty loud. I mean, I can't ignore them. And needless to say, first I said, wait a minute. Okay, if this is God, prove it. In other words, Scripture, prove it. Verse 1. Abide in me, and let my word abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. Okay, that was good. Give me another one. Let everything be established by two or more witnesses. I say, give me another one. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Give me another one. Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be open. Okay, 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 I get it. Hmm, God, is this really you? is this really you to make a long story a short story i said so what do i do he said ask me I said okay how do I, okay give me a cruise and he said here's what i want you to do and he gave me an instruction and told me to ask because asking you shall receive seeking you shall find knocking it shall be open needless to say a few weeks later i received a letter in the mail from the ceo of this company offering me a free seven-day cruise to the caribbean totally free now, there's a whole bunch of circumstances that went into that. I mean, it's crazy, it's miraculous, it's mind-blowing. But then we And so Lisa and I went on this cruise, had the time of our lives, and I remember being on that boat, and I'm like, God, this is crazy. Why in the world would you do this? Because to me, a cruise, has anybody ever been on a cruise before? Now, this is over 20 years ago that I've been, so I'm sure it's changed. Um, it was still glorious and glamorous. I mean, this ship was the size of a city. It was huge. And I remember walking through the ship and and just looking at things and thinking, this is like the best the world has to offer. This is the best. I mean, it is just glorious and powerful and beautiful and all that kind of thing. I remember going through the casinos, walking through and watching people. Man, my heart would break for them because they were just bound by, by that addiction of gambling or whatever. And my father began to speak to me. He said, son, you see this? This is, the, this is the best the world has to offer. I'm like, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. He says, but this pales in comparison to what I have for you. Pales in comparison to what I have for you. But he allowed us to enjoy that. And he invited me to ask him. I wasn't gonna now at least and I had a desire. To go on a cruise, because when we talk about dreams, oh, it would be fun to go on a cruise, it would be fun to do this. Her dream was to go on a cruise. My dream was to go to Jamaica. Guess where the cruise took us? Took us to Jamaica. And I remember after the cruise was over, I went back to that place where I prayed every day, and I said, God, I don't get this. This is crazy. I don't get this. Why in the world would you do this? Give me a cruise. I mean, what does this have to do with your kingdom? I didn't understand it. And I believe he spoke this to me. He said, son, how I long to bless my children. But they won't let me. But they won't let me. And then he told me two more promises that I believe that he said he was going to do in my life, in my family. One of them's come to pass several times over and one we're still waiting for. And it's been over 20-something years. I'm still. we're still dialoguing about that other one. It's like, you haven't forgot about that second thing that you said, have you? You know, when, one time uh, when I was in college, I desired to, I was, can't remember how old I was, 20, 21. And I desired to be married someday. That was my desire. And I remember I met this girl, and I was committed to not dating i just made a commitment that i wasn't going to date that i was going to trust that jesus would bring the person in my life as i'm pursuing him that me me and her would somehow collide or whatever and we'd live happily ever after all that kind of stuff that's where my faith was i was challenged and i believed that god was big enough to bring the person into my path so i made a commitment that i wasn't going to have to do the thing the world did which was dating and try out all these girls hey you know you know because I saw all the drama and the damage that was happening to my friends. I saw the casualties of war, the broken hearts, the suicidal tendencies of people who experience broken and cataclysmic chaos because of relationships. So I made that commitment. I wavered at times. And I remember at this point I met this young lady, and I said, Father, can I pursue a relationship with her? Expecting him to say yes, because she was a Christian, And I was expecting him to say yes. And he said no. He said no. And being the good Christian, committed Christian that I was, I said, forget you, God. I said, forget you then. And I began to pursue this young lady. And that was a catastrophe for about a year. Talking about capitalizing in stupid so then i repented it's like man that was so dumb and see, he tried to s- spare me from what i just tried to go through i repented got back on track walking with him again and then a few months later then he introduced me to the girl of my dreams so i was getting ahead of myself then he introduced me to in case you guys are wondering the girl of my dreams is my wife it's like, I show sure up. it's Lisa. <laughs> but anyway, Han, could you walk with me again? Here's how I believe this worked out. It's me and him, or Han and me, or whichever one of us is Jesus. I'm getting confused. As we're walking together and hanging out, he asked for a relationship. This is the, this is the way we're walking. This is the path that Jesus has for Han. We're going this way. That person was going in a different direction than what the Lord had for him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, this young lady comes along named Lisa, and we meet and go through this whole sequence, and then I asked the father again, I said, Father, can I pursue a relationship with Lisa? And through a vision, he told me to go for it, and I did. Still am, by the way. And so the difference between, as we're walking, all of a sudden... She was in line with the purpose that God had for me and that, I had, that he had for her. Thanks, you can be seated again. And so I believe that when we're asking for things for ourselves, as long as it's in line and doesn't take away from what the Father wants to do in our lives, it's okay. If, if you're like, man, Lord, I'd really love to have, man, this, that car right there. I saved up my money, I have... You know, is it okay for me to have this car or have this this thing as long as I believe it doesn't take away from the path that he has for you? I believe it's okay, and he'll bless you with it. There have been material things that I've asked for, and he miraculously provided for me. There's been things I've asked for, and he didn't give me. You know, when Lisa and I got... No, when Lisa and I met... And we began to talk and share hearts. What are your dreams? What are my dreams and everything? And I've, I quickly discovered that one of her dreams was horses. And if, and if you know Lisa, you know that. That's a big deal in her life. Well, she grew up with horses. She was a horse lover. And when I met her, I found out this is a passion of her heart. So as we became more and more acquainted with each other in love with each other, and then we decided with his blessing that we were going to pursue life together, Horses became my passion because I decided, you know what? Because it's her passion, it has become my passion. And so I'm going to do what I can to make sure that she gets horses. And so we got married and we were married for, um, and so I knew what that meant. You know, growing up in the city, I enjoyed living in the city and that's all I knew. That was cool with that. But I knew having horses meant outside of the city. And so it's like, was I willing to move outside of the city so we can have horses? Well, as my desire was growing, then of course. So 10 years after we were married, we ended up moving out of town. And then a number of years after that, can't remember how many, but a number of years after that, I remember driving to uh, a ministry I used to volunteer for, the Lord spoke to me and said, now Lisa can have a horse. And because I had a friend who was offering us a horse, if we wanted us, said, so we can't have a horse right now, we can't afford it, we don't have any fences, we don't have all that stuff. The Lord said, now you can have a horse. And then after that, not only did he bless us with all this stuff to contain and take care of horses, but we now have four horses, and we paid for none of them. He, and he gave her the desire of her dreams. And I feel like the Lord was showing me in the same way as he, as he and I hang out together. All of a sudden, his desires become my desires. And I find myself lining my life up to accomplish and accommodate what he wants. The same thing with me and Lisa. As we lined up and our hearts were together, I found myself lining myself up and accommodating the things that she wants. And now I'm a horse lover. Don't tell anybody I said that Because I'll deny it (laughs) But I love horses Because she loves horses Delight yourself in the Lord He will give you the desires of your heart Psalms 37, 4 Abide in Him Allow His Word to abide in you Ask whatever you desire And it shall be done So He's inviting us to ask what we desire And He will give it to us Now of course we know Uh, It says now this is the confidence that we have in him That if we ask anything according to his will He hears us And if we know that he hears us Whatever we ask We know that we will have the petition That we have asked for So we know it has to line up with the will of God But I think a lot of times Because something is material Then we discount it But I just want to say And this isn't something we build a whole big doctrine on That Jesus wants to give me everything I want That's not what I'm talking about I'm just talking about as we're walking with him, he really desires to fulfill dreams that he's put in our heart. Amen? Okay, number three, this fruit of answered prayer glorifies the Father and proves we are his disciples. His intention is for us to pray and our prayers get answered. And that's how he's glorified and it proves that we're his kids everybody, even the atheists, believe in the power of prayer. If you think about everybody, I me mean, you see all over our Facebook, someone's in a bad situation or ill or whatever, we appreciate your prayers, we appreciate your prayers. I mean, people who don't even acknowledge God, who don't even go to church, they all believe in prayer. And a lot of times prayer, and even in the church, prayer is, for the most part and in, in a great deal, is to shotgun, I'm hoping it happens, I'm hoping he's listening, I'm hoping he does it. Kind of a shotgun approach. And then a prayer happens every so often or it gets answered. And it's like, wow, that was cool. It's like we just got lucky. Because it was kind of it just seemed kind of random. Jesus doesn't want this random, He's wanting us to have the kind of relationship with Him that we pray for things and it happens. Because one, we're so intimately acquainted with his will, his desires, his character, we know we're praying for things that line up with his character, his desire and his will. It's not going to be something we're asking for stuff that's way over here, way out of line. And so it should be that when we pray, it's answered. And then when people who are outside of relationship with him see that, it's like, hmm, something's going on. See, they see your good works, and then they glorify the Father. I mean, how many Christians do you know, I mean, they pray for things all the time, or they, they pray for things, or they say they pray for things, and there's no change. You know, I knew a lady who, uh, at the police department who is, a Christi- who is a Christian, and she had sleep insomnia challenges for 15 years. And when I found out about it, I said, can I pray for you? And she goes, oh, sure. Now, I'm thinking, she's probably thinking I'm just being polite, because we do that. Oh, can I pray for you? Oh, God bless them, kind of thing, generic, or whatever. She probably wasn't expecting anything to change. But something did change. Because when I prayed for her, I had the intent and the belief that the Father wanted to express His goodness towards her by blessing her sleep. That was my belief. And he has told me, he said, CJ, I didn't call you to the police department, or it's a law enforcement, to be a nice guy. I called you to take my kingdom. And so I got to pray for this lady. And several months later, I mean, a change happened a couple of weeks later, but several months later, recently, I asked her, I said, hey, how has your sleep been? And as she was describing how her sleep has been, she started crying. Because she says, I can't believe it. there's so much peace now when I go to sleep. In words, for 15 years, she was battling insomnia. There's another person in the department that the declaration team has been praying for, had been praying for, and, and I realized later he was the worst one. I and mean, his sleep was messed up. He would go for three days without sleeping and then crash. And then start the process all over again. He'd average maybe an hour a night, a sl- an hour of sleep a night. But he'd go on these three-day binges where he couldn't sleep. He'd be up for 72 hours, and then he would crash. Well, he made the mistake of allowing us to pray for him. And there are these people who are making declarations over him. And I had lunch with him recently. I said, hey, how was your sleep, Ben? Would you say it's somewhat changed or significantly changed? And he says, well, I don't go three days without sleeping anymore. And I average four hours of sleep a night. Four hours of sleep a night. I said, hey, you want to go for six? He said, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> but see, he knows that it's not a coincidence that his sleep pattern has changed. He knows that. The young lady in Chick-fil-A knows that it wasn't just a coincidence that her leg quit hurting and she was able to walk again. She knows it wasn't a coincidence. She knows she encountered someone and it obviously put the fear of God in her, but it also put hope, encouragement. And that's what we get to do. So the fruit of answered prayer glorifies the Father and proves that we are His disciples. Next one, we are to abide in His love. We do this by keeping His commandments, obeying Him. He clarifies what He means by His commandments, which means to love one another as He loves us. So He tells us to abide in His love. So a key to fruitfulness is abiding in His love, which means love each other like He loves us. And another one, He's telling us all this. In that whole passage, John chapter 15, 1 through 17, Jesus is telling us all this stuff about abiding in the vine, abiding in him, and all this kind of stuff. And right in the middle, he stops and says, You know, I'm telling you this so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full or overflowing. Right in the middle of it. Because then after that, he goes back to where he left off. It's kind of, it's like, that was kind of a weird interruption. It's like, hey, by the way, guys, the reason why I'm telling you this is so that you'll experience the fullness of my Father's joy, and it'll overflow. Many of us, or many people, are trying to pursue happiness, peace, and joy. And we're looking for all kinds of ways to be full of happiness and fulfillment. And Jesus says, here it is right here. Right here is how you will overflow with my joy. And I believe just like we can have peace in the midst of chaos... Remember when Jesus was asleep on the boat, and there was a storm, and the disciples thought they were going to die, and Jesus had that supernatural peace? Just like we can have peace in the midst of chaos, we can have joy in the midst of troubling circumstances. Supernatural joy. So whatever season you're in right now, it may not be your favorite season. It may be a very challenging and difficult season that you find yourself in, but it can, you can still be full of joy in the midst of that season. That's what he's offering, and that's what he makes available to us. The next one, he is calling us out of servanthood and inviting us into friendship. And This one's huge. Jesus is calling us out of servanthood and inviting us into friendship. A servant is only concerned about, concerned with obeying the rules, the commandments, and the do's and don'ts of his master. But a friend's concerns and desire is to connect with the heart of his friend and fulfill his desires. A servant wants to get the requirements of the law and rules out of the way so he can get on with his own life. But a friend is a person whose life is totally intertwined and connected with his friend. Many of us live in servanthood We just want to know, what do I do? What are the rules? What do I need to do? How many times do I need to read the Bible today? How many times do I need to pray? Okay, let me get that off my checklist. Let me do that, and I'm good. You know, when you have a servant, they're like, sir or ma'am, what is it you need me to do? I've cleaned the kitchen. I've done this and done all that. They say, oh, that's all for today. Thank you. And then the servant goes and lives his or her own life. So they want to hurry up and get the duty out the way, get the law taken care of so they can go live their own life. And many of us Christians live our lives that way. What are the requirements? What do I need to do so I can get those out of the way so I can go do my own thing? And that's a servant mentality. But a friend is, Jesus, what do we get to do today? What do you want to do together? What kind of adventures do we have going on today? You know, Jesus says, you know, I no longer call you servants but friends. Because the servant doesn't know what the master's doing. But I am showing you and telling you everything that the father has told me. Do you realize that the father has telling, is telling Jesus things and Jesus is telling us those, th- those things? So he's not just wanting to tell us what to do. Do this, do that, do this. Okay, you're good, you're good obedient servants. He's inviting us into partnership. Here's what my father's wanting to accomplish. And he's wanting to tell us things. It's like, wow, really? That's pretty crazy. He's wanting a partnership with us. He's wanting friendship, intimate friendship with us. Because it's those kind of people that he can entrust that he says, ask whatever you want, and I'll do it. Ask whatever you want, and I'll do it. He doesn't entrust that to servants, he entrusts that to friends. And he's inviting us into that kind of a relationship. And that's how that passage can literally mean whatever you ask, whatever you desire, whatever's in your heart, you ask it and the Father will do it. Because we are such close friends. We are such close friends. And your heart, we're being transformed into his image. Our character is lining up with his character. Our desires are to glorify and to please and to honor him. So everything we ask for is not selfish. Selfish. Because it's, Lord, if this doesn't glorify you, or this takes away from you in any way, I don't want it. You know, I find myself desiring and praying and asking for things that are in his heart. As I get to know him more and more and more, I find, you know, uh, over a year ago, it happened over, no, a year and a half ago, because things started changing about a year and a half ago. Before that time, I could care less really about drugs in our city. I could care less really about crime as long as it didn't affect me. As long as my family and my kids were okay, as long as my house was not messed with, as long as we weren't burglarized, as long as I wasn't affected by crime, I'm good. It's not that way anymore I'm affected My heart is affected by what goes on in this county I've become passionate About the brokenness That's around The broken people The broken circumstances They have my heart's attention You know why that is? Because it has our Father's attention And as I've been getting close to him, all of a sudden I find myself desiring and and wanting to see change the very things that he wants to change. And so I find myself focusing on things. I find myself making declarations. I find myself talking to the Father quite often about crime, about drugs. Saying, drugs, you are no longer welcome here in Payne County. And it just happened. I didn't think, you know what, if I'm a good Christian, I ought to really care about our community. I ought to, so therefore I guess I better start praying for it. It wasn't like that. A shift happened in my heart. And see, and that's what he's doing in you. There's going to be different expressions. There's going to be some corporate expressions through all of us. But there's going to be some different expressions through you as well. There's going to be things that you are extremely passionate about that I may not really even notice, but it's going to be the heart of the Father flowing through you. I know there are people who are passionate about rescuing people from the sex trade industry. There are people passionate about working with unwed mothers or or young ladies who find themselves in in a challenging situation, and they are passionate about that because the Father's passionate, and they're allowing that heart To flow through them. And so when speaking of drugs and crime and and all that, when we as Christians, when we begin to make declarations vocally and and publicly that certain things are not allowed to happen anymore, and the people kind of smile and say, Ha ha ha, that's funny. And then when they see that very thing happen, they say, wait a minute, that lady said just the other day that this wasn't gonna happen anymore. Wait a minute, that guy told me what he was praying, and it's happening. Things like the drug supply is being cut off from Payne County. Cut off, meaning it's not allowed to come in. Now some people think, well, that's over the top. Well, our daddy is over the top. Remember Jesus said, speak to that mountain mountain. Be cast into the sea Mountain of drugs Be cast into the sea Now I want to share something that some of you have, might have told us before and I'm going to go ahead and say it Because I heard a prophecy recently concerning me And it made sense as to why I started saying this Because I thought I just got a little crazier But when I go to like the California When I go to California And I'm meeting people And they find, oh, where are you from? I say, Oklahoma You know one of the first things they say is, whoa, you guys have tornadoes out there. So first thing they say, whoa, you guys have tornadoes out there. You know what I say to them now? I say, yes, but they're becoming outlawed. And of course they smile, (laughs) ha ha ha. And they see, I'm not smiling. Tornadoes will become outlawed in the state of Oklahoma. And here's what I mean by that. Because Christians all over in different counties all over Oklahoma are going to realize the authority that they have, and they're going to begin to stand up and take dominion authority in their county and say, no, you're not allowed here. See, because that's happening here in Payne County. You know what the police call? They have a name for it when the tornadoes come and the storms are coming towards Stillwater. And all of a sudden they they split up. He says they call it the Stillwater Split. I was talking to the chief of police the other day. He's talking about when storms, when tornadoes come to Stillwater. He says, yep, it does the Stillwater Split. They split and they go around. I thought, wow, they have a name for it. But my concern is, because I've seen this happen, They'll split, the the storm will dissipate, it splits, it goes around, and then it'll start to build back up after it gets past Payne County. I'm not cool with that anymore. Whereas before, all I cared about was Payne County. And so now my desire, my passion is for Christians all over Oklahoma to rise up. And all of a sudden, tornadoes come to the state of Oklahoma. And they bounce off Let's say, sorry, we can't go to that state. There's too many believers not allowing us in. Now, I know that's, that may sound like a crazy, way out there thing. For me, it's not. I share that to challenge you, to encourage you, to spur you to love and good works. What is it about the tornadoes that bother me? Death and destruction. That's what bothers me. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Tornadoes have that similar characteristic. I don't see that as from my father. Because a lot of, well, I'm not going to say a lot. Some Christians have the thought, well, you know, you never know what God's doing. God may be, I don't see the father in the business of bringing destruction through rain and tornadoes and that kind of thing. I don't believe we're in the era of his judgment. Now, there's going to come a time when mankind's going to be judged. I don't believe we're in that. I believe we're in the favor, the year of the favor of the Lord, until he comes back again. Then it's gonna change. So, until then, I believe the Father, our Father, wants to express his goodness over mankind. It's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. So, when men and women experience the goodness of God and they recognize they don't deserve it, they're not living the lifestyle that would invite that, and all of a sudden God does it anyway. This young lady at Chick-fil-A, she goes, why would he do this? I haven't gone to church since I was seven years old. I don't deserve the goodness of God. I don't deserve for him to heal me. Why is he doing this? And two of his daughters say, because this is how he is. He loves you. And all of a sudden her, her world has been impacted. Last thing I want to share... I have a whole bunch more, but we'll continue next week. But there's one point I want to get across today. First of all, understand that He chose you and I to bear fruit. So it's His idea. It's His deal. And the Father desires to and delights in rewarding us for our fruitfulness for Him. He delights in rewarding you and me for our fruitfulness for Him. Revelation 22.12 And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Matthew 16.27 For the Son of Man will come in the, day in the glory of his Father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works. Matthew 6.20 But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. How do you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? By obeying the Father. When we obey him, that's how we store up treasures. We get rewarded for our obedience. Now let me ask you this obvious question. Who would get more rewards in heaven? The person who impacts 25 people over their lifetime or 1,025 people over their lifetime? Somebody. was that? Thank you. You guys are pretty much saying the same thing. Whoever obeys the Father. The person who who impacts 25 people may actually get a greater reward than the person who impacts 1,025 if they were obedient to the Father. Here's an important thing we need to understand, and, and this is where we may see that fruitfulness may look different than what we might have thought. This is how we can be fruitful in our latter years, or in any season we find ourselves in. We can be just as fruitful, if not more fruitful, as we were in the past. For example, let's say all of a sudden you start having children. Speaking of you, ladies, guys, you are not. No, I'm just kidding. let's say, ladies, let's say you're very involved in in a, in a public ministry, preaching, teaching. Praying for the sick, he, I mean, your, your ministry or you're involved in is very, very public. And you're actively involved in that and seeing all kinds of fruitfulness. People's lives being impacted because of your direct ministry to them. The Lord's using you in that wonderful way. All of a sudden, you start having children. And as a mom, you know, I need to take care of these little ones. And the Lord encourages, I want you to now focus your attention I'm, to just pour into these little ones I'm bringing into your life. If we're not careful, we can become resentful. Because out of our passion and desire to honor the Lord and to be fruitful for Him, we see all the fruit of the outgoing public ministry. And all of a sudden, we're moved to this quiet ministry. Out here, you were receiving the accolades of men and women. Oh, my goodness, you're preaching your messages amazing it has impacted my life thank you so much for praying for me and you get all these accolades and encouragement from brothers and sisters and all these people and all of a sudden you're taking care of a little precious bundle of joy and he or she's not saying you're a great mommy (laughs) they're not saying anything all they're doing is saying feed me change my diaper do something and all of a sudden you feel like you're not being as fruitful well i'm just in a season of not so much fruitfulness. That is not true. Looking at the life of Jesus and his ministry, were there times when he ministered to the masses? Yes or no? Were there times when he ministered to the one person? Which one of those situations pleased the Father more? Thank you, both. Because Jesus says, I only... Do the things I see my father doing. So there were times when the father was wanting to minister to the 5,000 plus women and children, 4,000 plus women and children, the crowds, the disciples, or the one woman at the well. Jesus was honoring and obeying and bearing fruit for his father in all of those situations. If you find yourself in a season where you're taking care of the little child or the children... Or the aging parent. Or the, the sick spouse or loved one. And you're thinking, I'm in a season where I can't be as fruitful to the Lord. That is not true. That is not true. Now, you're not, not going to be seen by as many people. You're not going to be noticed. Most people, if anybody, even knows what you're doing. But the Father does. And remember, he's the one that delights in rewarding his kids, and he's the one that determines what we're doing, whether it's bearing fruit or not. And he's appointed us and called us to bear fruit, to bear more fruit, to bear much fruit, and fruit that remains. And so you walking in a season where you're just loving unconditionally, you're sacrificially loving, whether it's little ones or a sick one, you're loving them, you're being very fruitful to the Father. You may not hear an hear a thank you from anybody on this planet but when you stand before the lord he will say well done well done he'll say well done for the times that you might have preached to the masses but he's also going to say well done for the time that you spent ministering to that person and so we can rejoice and be at peace knowing that okay here's the season i find myself in and I'm not saying the father is making that person sick so you can be in that season. That's not what I'm saying. So I hope that's not what you take. But you find yourself in that situation. And then you bear fruit by honoring him by loving that person. Jesus says no, there's no greater love than for a, friend, a person to lay down his life for his friend." And so fruitfulness looks like answered prayer for yourself. It looks like you ministering to people and God answering your prayers for them. It looks like you loving people. Remember Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And he has laid down his life for us. He's willing to minister to the one as well as to the thousands. Because he didn't really care about all the accolades of men. It's not what he cares about. He cares about honoring the Father. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever season you find yourself in right now, His desire is for you to be fruitful. And if you're honoring and obeying Him, you are. You are. And I believe that's how you can even be more fruitful in this season, in the season you're moving into or you're in now, than you were even in the past. Let's all stand together. Next week, we're going to get more practical and talk about, okay, so how do we become more fruitful? How do we do this? Today, I just want to talk about the mindset, the things, important keys surrounding being fruitful. But one of the main ones that I I would like you guys to grab a hold of is the fact that he's calling us out of servanthood into friendship. That's the main one we need to get. That it's not about just doing a bunch of do's and don'ts. But he wants to walk with us through just like Han and I were walking together, locked shoulder to shoulder, close. That's the kind of relationship he wants with us wherever we are, whether we're at school, whether we're taking care of that person, whether we're preaching to the masses, whatever we're doing, wherever we are throughout the day, going to work, going to the grocery store, we're abiding with him. And I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And if you want to, and it's not that you or I haven't already been walking in friendship with him, but embracing intentionally saying, yes, Lord, I want to walk in that friendship with you. Walk in that abiding with you all the time. If you're wanting to accept that invitation, then I'm going to invite you to put your hand over your heart and I'm just going to pray for it for us. Father, I thank you that for speaking against condemnation, for reminding us that that's not who you are, and that's not part of your dealings with us. Yes, you do convict us. And if we're in sin, we have to repent and turn out of sin. But the condemnation is not of you, and we don't accept that. And I thank you, Father, for the invitation that you desire for us to be your friend. You're inviting us into that type of relationship where you can tell us secrets from the Father. And Lord, we say yes to the, to you. We say yes to that invitation. And we thank you for giving us the grace to respond. And I just thank you, Father, for encouraging your sons and daughters. I thank you for changing our mindset where it needs to be changed and adjusted. I thank you, Father, that not only do we have a desire to be fruitful, to honor and glorify you, but I thank you that we're seeing more clearly what that looks like. And that many of us are already being very fruitful in what we're doing in the season that you've called us into or that we find ourselves into. So I pray for peace, encouragement, and blessing on your sons and daughters. And we accept your invitation of friendship. And we love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.